0: chapter ten of tom ossington's ghost by richard marsh this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter ten madge finds herself in an awkward situation there was no burglar the night was undisturbed and the next day was for both a busy one the morning post brought madge an intimation from a publisher to whom she had submitted one of her m s s that he would be obliged if when she was in town she would call on him so that she might discuss with him terms for its publication that business-like memorandum made her heart beat faster sent the blood coursing quickly through her veins added sparkle to her eyes this after all was the sort of fortune she preferred one for which she had striven with her own brains and hands better than hidden hoards the simple breakfast became an Elysian feast. Ella was almost as jubilant as she herself was. Northcote and Company. That's a good house, isn't it? Rather. They published. Madge reeled off the names of two or three pronounced fictional successes. How much do you think they'll give you for it? In cash? Not much. Don't you think I shall bring home the Bank of England? "'So long as they give me a fair share of anything it may ultimately bring, I'll be content. "'But it isn't that. "'It's getting the first footing on the ladder. "'That's the thing. "'Of course it is. "'How splendid. "'And I'll tell you what. "'You shall dedicate it to me, and then if it sells by the hundred thousand, "'I shall have a bit of your fame. "'Done. "'And your name upon the fly-leaf ought to help sell the book. "'It's as well known as mine is anyhow.' THE author's SPOKEN. YOU SHALL BE THE DEDICATEE. THEY WENT UP TO TOWN TOGETHER. ELLA HAD TO BE AT HER OFFICE AT HALF-PAST NINE, AND IT IS TRUE THAT THAT SEEMED A TRIFLE EARLY TO MAKE A CALL UPON A PUBLISHER. BUT, AS ELLA CORRECTLY OBSERVED, YOU CAN LOOK AT THE SHOPS UNTIL IT IS TIME. WHICH IS PRECISELY WHAT MADGE DID DO. AND IT IS REMARKABLE HOW MANY THINGS SHE SAW IN THE SHOP WINDOWS WHICH SHE MENTALLY RESOLVED TO PURCHASE IF THE BOOK SUCCEEDED. SUCH AN UNUSUAL NUMBER OF USEFUL THINGS seemed TO BE DISPLAYED, AND IT CERTAINLY IS ODD WHAT A QUANTITY OF THEM WERE JUST THE ARTICLES WHICH ELLA AND SHE PARTICULARLY REQUIRED. HER INTERVIEW WITH THE PUBLISHER WAS A DELIGHTFUL ONE. SHE AGREED TO EVERYTHING HE PROPOSED. His propositions were not quite on the scale of magnificence which she had conceived as being within the range of possibility, but still they were near enough to be satisfactory. She was to have a sum of money paid her on the publication of the book, not a large sum, but still something, and there was to be royalty besides. When she hinted, almost as if she had been hinting at something of which she ought to be ashamed, that if part of the money were paid before publication it would be esteemed a favour, that publisher went so far as to draw a cheque for half the amount and to hand it to her then and there. It is a fact that Madge Brody was an uncommonly pretty girl, but such an accident was not likely to make any impression on the commercial instincts of a creature who battens upon authors. She went straight off and cashed the cheque. When she had the coin in her pocket, actually in her pocket, she felt the financial equal of a rothschild she lunched all by herself at a restaurant in the neighbourhood of charing cross and a nice little lunch she had made some purchases with one eye on ella and another on herself and then she went and gave a music lesson to miss clara parkins whose father is the proprietor of the belvedere tavern that well-known hostelry within a hundred miles of wandsworth common miss parkins was within a year or two of her own age an uncommonly shrewd young woman and a pleasant one to boot the lesson had not been proceeding two minutes before she perceived that something was disturbing the ordinarily tranquil currents of her teacher's mind when the lesson was finished she made a valiant effort to find out what that something was she looked down and she picked at the nap of her frock and she asked a tone or two under her usual key "'What is it? I wish you'd tell me.' Madge stared. Nothing which had gone before had led to such a question. "'What is what? What is it which makes you all brimming over?' Madge went red. She was an errant little snob, and by no means proud of giving music lessons to a publican's daughter, although that publican's daughter was the best-paying pupil she had, and not the least agreeable.' "'She was on her stilts in a moment. "'I don't understand you.' "'That's a story. "'Of course it's no business of mine. "'But you do seem so happy, "'and I think that sharing other people's happiness "'is almost as good as being happy yourself, don't you? "'But I'm awfully sorry I asked.' "'Miss Parkin's air of contrition melted Madge's mood. "'As she adjusted her veil, she condescended to explain. "'I've had rather a stroke of luck.' "'I'm awfully glad to hear it. Of course I know you think nothing of me, but I think no end of you. I do hope that someone has left you a fortune. I like it as well as if someone had, though I dare say you'll think it's nothing. I've sold a book.' "'A book? Oh, one of your own writing? I knew you were clever. When is it coming out?' "'We've hardly got so far as dates.' "'When it does come, I'll buy a dozen and pay for them "'if you'll give me one with your name inside. "'I'll give you the one without there being a necessity "'for your buying the dozen.' "'I knew you'd say that. "'I know you don't think I'm good enough to buy your book, "'but I don't mind. "'I hope it will be a success. "'That's very kind of you.' "'And it will be, I'm sure of it. "'You're the sort that does succeed.' "'How do you make that out?' "'I don't know exactly, but you are. "'You've got the air of success about you. "'I noticed it when I first spoke to you. "'And when people have got the air of success, "'you'll generally find that they get the thing itself. "'You student of the world.' "'She stooped and kissed the girl. "'It was the first familiarity they had exchanged. "'Miss Parkins put her arms about her neck "'and kissed her in return, "'a half-quizzical something in her eyes.' YOU MARK MY WORD, YOU'RE THE SORT THAT DOES SUCCEED. Madge walked home with an added feeling of elation. She laughed at the girl's pretension to what almost amounted to prophetic insight, yet wondered if there might not be something in what she said. At any rate, it was nice to be believed in, even by Miss Parkins. She felt that she had done the young woman an injustice. A publican's daughter, after all, is flesh and blood." If the book succeeded, should opportunity offer, she would place it upon public record that Clara Parkins had foretold its success, which would be fame for Clara. She smiled at her own conceit. The possibility that she might one day become an important person only loomed on the horizon since the advent of that note in the morning. Immersed in such thoughts almost unwittingly, she arrived at Clover Cottage. "'Inserting her latch-key in the keyhole, "'she turned and opened the door. "'Almost as soon as she did so, "'it was thrust violently back on her "'and banged in her face. "'She was so startled that for a second or two, "'she stared at the closed door "'as if in doubt as to what had really happened. "'She had been in imagination so far away "'that it required positive effort on her part "'to bring herself back to earth. "'Well,' she muttered below her breath, "'that's cool.' I wonder who did that. Perhaps it was the wind. She did not stay to consider how the wind could have behaved in such an eccentric manner. She gave her key another twist, and the door a push. But the key refused to act, or to move in the direction required, and the door stood still. This, under the circumstances, singular behavior of the key in the door, seemed to rouse her to a clearer perception of the situation— "'She gave the key a further twist, exerting all her strength. "'What is the matter? It turned easily enough just now. "'It would not turn then, try how she might, and the door would not budge. "'Can the catch have fallen? I don't see how. "'It has never done anything of the kind before. "'I wonder if someone's having a joke with me. "'Perhaps Ella has returned.' Acting on the supposition, though it was two hours in advance of the time at which Miss Duncan might be generally expected, she knocked at the door. None answered. She knocked again, louder. If Ella was having a jest at her expense, it was hardly to be expected that she would put an end to the joke by answering her first summons. She knocked again and again, without result. This is charming. To be locked out of my own house is not what I expected." She drew back in order to survey the premises. Nothing was to be seen. Perhaps I'd better try the back door. Since the front seems hermetically closed, the back may be open for a change. But it was not. She rattled at the handle, shook the door, rapped at the panels with her knuckles. No one heeded her. She returned to the front with a curious feeling of discomfiture. What can have happened? It's very odd. The door opened easily enough at first. It felt as if someone had pulled it from within. I wonder. Hello! That's the time of day, is it? I saw that curtain move. I fancy now, Miss Ella Duncan, that I've caught you. You are amusing yourself inside. I'll give that knocker a hammering which I'll engage to say you shall hear. She was as good as her word. So far as the hammering was concerned, she kept up a hideous tattoo for some three or four minutes without cessation. But though it is not impossible that the din was audible on the other side of the common, within none heeded. She was becoming annoyed. Going to the sitting room window, she tapped sharply at the frame. Ella, I saw you. Don't be so silly. Open the door. You'll have all the neighbourhood about the place. It's too bad of you to keep me outside like this. It might be too bad, but the offender showed no sign of relenting. Madge struck her knuckles against the pane with force enough to break the glass. Ella! Still silence. How can you be so stupid and unkind? Ella, open the door. Or is it you, Jack? Don't think I didn't see you because I did. I saw you move the curtain she might have done but the curtain was motionless enough now madge was losing her temper fast in her estimation to be kept out of the house like this was carrying a sufficiently bad joke a good deal too far if you don't open the door at once i shall break the glass and let myself in that way she assailed the window-pane with a degree of violence which suggested that she meant what she said then flattened her nose against it, in an endeavour to discover who might be within. While she peered the door was opened, and some one did come in. She started back. Who on earth? she was going to say, who on earth is that? But when she got so far she stopped, because she knew, at least in part. First through the door there came a woman, and although she could scarcely credit the evidence of her own eyesight— In her she recognised the visitor of the day but one before, the creature who had persisted in calling herself the ghost's wife. At her heels there was a man, a perfect stranger to Madge. Having recognised the woman, she looked to see in her companion the loafer of the previous afternoon, but this certainly was not he. This was a miserable, insignificant looking fellow, very much down at heel and apparently very much down at everything else. The woman, with an impudent assurance, came striding straight to the window. The man hung back, exhibiting in his bearing every symptom of marked discomfort. The female, as brazen faced as if she was on the right side of the window, stared at Madge, and Madge stared at her, amazed. So amazed, indeed, that for a moment or two she was at a loss for words. WHEN THEY CAME AT LAST, THEY CAME IN THE FORM OF AN INQUIRY. WHAT, SHE ASKED, ARE YOU DOING THERE? THE WOMAN WAVED HER HAND. IN FACT, SHE WAVED BOTH HER HANDS, AS IF REPELLING SOME NOXIOUS INSECT. GO AWAY, SHE CRIED, GO AWAY. THIS HOUSE IS MINE, MINE. Madge gasped. THAT THE CREATURE WAS MAD AT THE BEST, SHE MADE NO DOUBT but that conviction in the present situation was of small assistance. What was she to do? As she asked herself this question, with no slight sense of helplessness, the gate clicked behind her. Someone entered the garden. It was Bruce Graham. End of chapter 10